In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And as always, thanks to our sponsor, KnowledgeVine, the leader in human performance improvement training and technologies. KnowledgeVine is committed to reducing the frequency and severity of workplace errors by helping organizations leverage technology to easily create a sustainable safety culture. KnowledgeVine, the evolution of human performance. Learn more at KnowledgeVine.com. Also on this website, under the Learn link, is information about what we are announcing for the first time today, and we will continue to announce it over the following weeks. But we're announcing the second annual Human Performance in Action Conference, or HPAC, sponsored by KnowledgeVine and the HP Community of Practice. And this conference is going to be held in Houston, Texas at the downtown Hyatt Regency, April the 17th through the 19th, 2023. The conference theme is Identifying and Managing Risk, the Science, Data, and Application of Working Safely. You can register for this world-class conference and receive a 10% discount by using the coupon code OGGNHSE podcast. Today, my guest on the show is Shelby and Shelby, let's talk about how we say your last name. It's of Ukrainian descent there, Russell. And thank you very much for having me on the podcast today. Well, thanks for coming on. So it's spelled H-R-E-C-H-U-K. And we just say Herchuk to keep it simple. Certainly as Europeans gravitated over to North America decades ago, there was some changes that needed to be made in some of their names in order to just become, I guess, more clear Americanized Americanized or whatever clear for everybody to pronounce okay so Shelby Herchuk and Shelby the reason I wanted to have you on the show today is because you have a company called Stout Gloves and we've had some safety topics on this show where we deal with safety in general and some of the more common safety issues and everything and it seems like hand injuries is always right up there in the top maybe three or whatever, if, if it's not in some cases the top one. However, you're actually listed as the president and owner of Epoch Western Inc. LP. So tell me about that. Epoch Western was in 2012 when I started all this, you know, down my entrepreneurial path. All I started doing was selling product out of the back of my car for to the oil and gas service industry, predominantly in a small town called Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. And I was running around and I'd be selling all this stuff. And I wanted to, I wanted a strong name because it actually it was, what happened is that I just left my job like a lot of people do at some point in their lives and, and, you know, decided to push forth with this entrepreneurial journey and dream. And so what happened is that I actually, I wanted a strong name that represented the Western Canada from what I was and my passion for Western Canada. And I wanted an epoch happened to be a reference to a marketing project I did in university. And epoch's definition is something significant at a specific moment in time. So similar to like the Big Bang. And I thought that worked really well. It spoke to what I thought was currently going on in the Western Canadian basin for oil and gas. And it also spoke towards, you know, what I thought I was bringing to the table. I mean, we're, you're an entrepreneur. And so you have to walk tall and have a really big, big vision for where you'd like to take your business. 
And that's exactly what I did. Okay. And actually, I had intended to mention that you are in Edmonton right now at the time of this recording, right? I'm currently still sitting in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. So Red Deer. With our, How far is that from Edmonton? It's about an hour and a half right to Edmonton proper. Okay. And this show is probably not going to air until next year, but we are actually recording it before Christmas. So what's the temperature there in Alberta today? <laughs> it's only a balmy minus five degrees. Oh my goodness. Minus five degrees <laughs> Celsius. So it's chilly. I mean, but for us Canadians that learned to adapt some pretty cold temperatures in Western Canada, this isn't too bad of a day. <laughs> And do you have snow on the ground? We do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, people have heard me. I've interviewed people from Canada before. When I was a teenager, due to my dad's job, I actually lived in a town called Lloydminster, which is about 150 miles east of Edmonton, as I recall. The first winter we were there was the worst winter they had had in 50 years. (laughs) One week, the high for the week was 25 below. That's common. We always get, there's usually about a week in every winter or two weeks where you get just a deep freeze. So, And that particular week, we had a friend who his brother played professional hockey in Minnesota and we all ran paper routes. And so my brother and I, he got that week off to go see his brother. We took over his paper route. So during that particular week you're talking about, (laughs) we, we had three paper routes and two snow shoveling jobs. But anyway, let's go back and let's first of all let's clear up communication issue here we've got a language barrier i speak texan you speak canadian so we're going to talk about stout gloves in texas that's s-t-o-u-t in texas we call that stout but in canada you call it stout is that right it depends on how you hear it because our accents definitely differ for sure and i say stout gloves and that probably sounds funny to you but i definitely don't say stout Okay. I was going to say the way I say it sounds funny to you. So, (laughs) Okay. So you started Stout in 2016, but there was quite a journey getting up to 2016 that what started back in 2012? Correct. So the same time as I started selling product out of the back of my car in 2012, I had like two or three service companies that definitely jumped on board to say, hey, Shelby, you know, it's busy. It's really busy right now. We could use any support we can get as far as somebody that's going to come by and and sell us some of our consumables. Because that was kind of what I was doing before. I was working, you know, as I transitioned away from a financial career into an industrial, you know, sales career, I was selling all sorts of consumables and safety into the oil and gas service market, family, industrial market. And so in 2012, I decided to go out on my own and and I'm not working, you know, for the man anymore type of scenario that a lot of people dream of. And, and I fortunately just captured a moment in my life where I'll be honest, I had $5,000 in my pocket like that. And not literally, I mean, that's what the bank account said. And I was going to veer out on my own and, and, and make this work. The scariest part of that was the fact that, you know, in terms of selling product on credit, which is what this industry works on, is that you're waiting quite a while to get paid back for any type of markup that you're getting off the sale that you're made for the products you're selling. And so it was quite an interesting experience. It certainly isn't for the faint of heart by any means, but I definitely believed in myself and I had some really good clients that were giving me the opportunity to even start. But further from that, I mean, what happened in that exact same summer, it was 2012, 
was that Exxon slash it's called Imperial Oil up here in Canada and Shell both came out with a mandate that impact gloves would become standardized in all sites. And so, okay, hold on, let's flesh that out just a little bit. Yeah. 2012, they started requiring impact gloves. What was the requirement before and what's the shift here? That's a good question. And I'm not going to have the complete, the correct answer to that question. What happened as you would come from probably a very general, you know, purpose glove, something that you would see every day on your shelf in a leather format or a synthetic format, or perhaps, you know, up here in Canada, they called it a green king. That was what was used in the drilling and, and oil and gas industry a lot down south. And you still do see it quite a bit as just a 360 degree cotton glove. It's those white and white and red striped ones. And that's inherently what was used on a common basis. So to answer what question was being or problem was being solved at that point in time, I remember it happening really fast. And this is kind of where the story gets really interesting is that this change came really quickly down the line from these two major oil companies. And they made it so quickly that a lot of people were left kind of turning their heads going, what the heck's an impact glove? Where do I get this impact glove? And why am I now paying, you know, $30 or $40 for a glove versus five bucks anymore, right? So, but the answer to that is, is that there was enough market, you know, research done as far as the amount of hand injuries that you saw in the oil field, that it was causing a huge problem, whether that's WCB claims or loss of man time, right? Or in the event of an incident on its site, you know, they shut down the rig right there. And we all know what the hourly rate of a rig is. So you're absolutely, yeah. You don't want that thing shut down any longer than necessary. That's right. So, so what's an impact glove? An impact glove, just for, you know, the most common way of putting it is you see the rubber on the back of the hand. That's, you know, typically called TPR, which is thermoplastic rubber. That rubber is designed on the back of the hand with breaks in it, so it becomes flexible, right? And dexterous. And then you also have the breaks in there, so it becomes more absorbable upon any type of impact or impact are on the back of the hand, I should say. And what that's meant to do is it's meant to absorb that impact and distribute the weight of it outwards and upwards, thus reducing your injury and, you know, you're not effectively going to save somebody's finger or hand. You're going to have an injury there no matter what, because we are dealing with obviously some pretty heavy equipment and some pretty, you know, I guess I want to say just depending on the scenario, it could be a pinch point and that could be, you know, something that where somebody just, you know, had their hand in the wrong place at the wrong time. So it wasn't necessarily a something falling on their hand. It's just putting the hand in the wrong place at the wrong time and having a pinch happen. That stuff was happening so commonly that the industries finally said, we're going to try and put an end to this and we're going to create this, you know, we're going to bring out an impact glove standard. And so you jumped on board on that, started manufacturing these, started marketing them. What happened originally actually was that there was two main suppliers to the market in Western Canada at the time, and they had one option each. And I looked at what options they had, and they were obviously very well, well-recognized brands across Western Canada that already had the distribution there and, and so forth. And they put out one option each right off the hop, and that turned out to be, you know, kind of general, generic, you know, no disrespect. I mean, certainly my first Stout glove wasn't anything pretty either, but 
there had to be something else that if I was going to jump into this and I, the noise was just everywhere about how fast this happened, that people needed, that there was an opportunity there. So like you said, I jumped on it. What I did first and foremost was look down south to see what other options there were, were and what glove companies down there might be interested in the Canadian market. And I did land on a company called Hex Armor, which everyone knows. One of the best and most respected glove companies in the world still. And I have nothing but respect for them. And they were moving only through Granger. They were distributing their products up in Canada only through Granger. And they were, you know, it was something where I made the right call. They're having some challenges making sure that they, you know, that they move their product in the way that they would like to at that point in time. And they gave me my shot and said, here you go, Shelby. We're going to, you know, we're going to give you a chance to do this. If you say you can do what you're going to do. And they did. And I ended up, I still remember to this day, that first order landing and I stuffed my little SUV so full of gloves. I would, (laughs) there was no extra room in that SUV whatsoever. And I went to town just driving around, banging down every service company's door in the local Red Deer market and a little bit beyond Red Deer as well at that time. It was to this day, probably one of the easiest sales jobs I ever had at that time because of the situation you were walking into, you literally would say impact love at the front desk and two or three guys heads would pop out of their offices and say, get in here. (laughs) 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 And they would be like, we need to know what, you know, first off, they would be a little bit like, they give you the story on like, I need this impact glove. We're going to work tomorrow for Shell or for Exxon or whatever. And they're like, I have no clue where to get these or what this is about. You know, I'm being quoted these prices over here and these are astronomical and I need to buy a hundred or 200 for my man. And the biggest thing for me outside of just having the product right there was that when I was given this opportunity and I listened to some of the concerns that Hex Armor had, I made sure that I researched the heck of not only what they had made and what they were making as far as not only an overall glove, but all the materials and all the technical aspects of this, of the materials and the products that were put into this material, into this glove, I mean made sure that I could really explain this in a common sense way to any individual that was ready to purchase these and needed them. There was a lot of comments back then that, you know, as far as objections would go, where people would tell you, would be like, we're being forced to buy these. Oh my God, you know, like lucky you. And you would get those comments and you would have to have, you know, you'd have to have a good way of defending yourself or at least a good response that would calm the person down from or put them at ease, I guess, is a better way of putting it to the point where they were going to be comfortable, you know, placing the PO that they had to place and knowing that their guys' hands would be cared for and they'd be able to get to, they'd be able to do the work required for the job that they were hired for. Now that doesn't take away from the fact that once a purchaser or a manager or somebody cuts a PO for a specific glove, that means that every guy that works for them is going to like that glove either. So that's a whole other ball of wax that you get into down the line as soon as you start selling a large amount of product to one company. Okay. So let's put a bookmark right there because I want to come back to that. But basically when you're starting out and Shell and Exxon are requiring these impact gloves and so you're going to the service companies, you're actually a distributor for this manufacturer down in the United States, sort of. Is that that's right? Correct. Yep. Then, so you started Stout Gloves. Did you start designing your own impact gloves? 
Not till 2014. So as the story goes, so we get started in the fall of 2012 with Hex Armor. And I'm still working a side job at the time. I mean, certainly I wasn't like just, I didn't jump in with two feet. I had one foot in for sure and 5,000 bucks in my pocket, right? But Hex Armor was, you know, they gave me credit terms and they said, you know, go to work and show us what you can do. That wasn't, you know, wasn't easy either. That was difficult. I had to maintain, I had to learn how to import out of the United States. I had to learn everything about the duties and the tariffs and the freight and then calculate my own landed cost and then put my own markup on it. There was a lot of, you know, research done there to make sure that you were going to actually make some money doing this because they made it all for naught if you didn't. <laughs> and so come 2013, I had happened to be do- doing so well that I quit the other side job that I had at the time. Because what I did was I hot shot it at nighttime into the oil field and then I'd work during the day, you know, or at least half of the day after I got some sleep in the morning to so why I hotshot it was to gain experience. I didn't work in the oil field before. All I knew is I born in Brett or not born in Alberta, born in BC and lived most of my life in, in Alberta. That oil and gas is, you know, is, you know, something that was just bred in, in us as. Well, Alberta is the Texas of Canada. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. So this the situation was that hey, you were starting to get enough revenue. Let's, you have to take the next step and the plunge both feet. And I did. And it, back then, what really made that work, two companies come to mind when when I speak about this story, and that's FMC Technologies and TriCan Well Service. They both had very large bases inside Red Deer, Alberta, of which I had happened to you know get them on board with gloves. And at that point in time, they were so happy with the product and with the service I was giving them they opened up Pandora's box for me and just said, here's a list of our branches, our base managers. We're letting them know that you're going to come see them. There's no guarantee, but we're suggesting and, you know, they take a good look at dealing with you and buying your gloves. And so right there off the hop, I had, you know, something like 20 new accounts out of two accounts. Right. And that really put me on another level and trajectory. And I was able to quit my job and, and take this on full time. And 2013 turned out to be an amazing year, an amazing experience of being an entrepreneur. And the challenges were still always there as far as financials, because as you grow, you need more money. And that was always fun. So (laughs) that's for a different conversation. Oh, yeah, that's a different conversation. But let's talk about stout gloves. Let's talk about the quality of that glove. So, yeah, come through 2015, what happened was we ended up going into a significant downturn in the oil industry, as everyone knows. I'd already transitioned out of Hex Armor because the Canadian dollar and the American dollar grew so far apart in currency that it wasn't profitable to bring the the American product back into the marketplace anymore. Not to mention a lot of competitors were starting to really build up their own product mix of impact gloves. So 2014, I head to China and I start sourcing factories and getting onto the design side of things. 2015, we have a little bit of a downturn there, or a big one. and Yeah, just a little. Yeah, right. <laughs> a big one. And so as I'm sitting here, and I'd shut everything down, and I was living practically on any of the gloves I had left over, whatever I could sell. I mean, it was, it was skeleton crews going to work that year. So, but I knew that the market would come back. We all knew that. And I knew that I needed to change up the gloves that I had already made, which were mostly of synthetic design, right? So... The word on the street and some of the people I was talking to were telling me leather was going to be the next big thing for Canada. 
And I started looking at leather options overseas and dialing in some ideas for myself to create another product and another brand and do it all myself this time because I did have a partner in the first glove round. And when I was doing that, I was doing it again with nothing but stock was my only money I had. I didn't have any money left over. I was living in an old lady's basement suite trying to make ends meet and steer my life. (laughs) So I start off with a leather glove. Traditionally, it's just a driver glove. And then we start stitching TPR, this thermoplastic rubber on the back of the hand for impact protection. And we also knew that cut protection was becoming more and more required in the market as well, depending on certain standards that oil companies and gas companies were wanting their contractors to adhere to, or just the contractors themselves, so the service companies themselves, bringing in more higher standards for their own glove programs. So I created a non-cut version and a cut-resistant version, both in a leather driver-style glove with the TPR rubber, the impact protection on the back of the hand. And I went to town and well, I get—I won't say I went to town. I knew that I needed a good name. So because this name had to only not only identify exactly who I was and who this business was standing for, but also who the consumer was. And stout is the act or behavior of a person brave and determined. And I thought that positioned my story well and positioned the... It, told me, we all know how difficult it can be for the field workers in this industry to go away for long periods of times and how dangerous the job can be. So I was only hoping that, you know, them seeing stout on the back of their hands, that they would remember that, you know, that they can be courageous and persevere through all the challenges that they may be facing, you know, not just in work life, but in personal life. And so that's a neat story. So Back to what you were saying, uh, according to the statistics, first of all, hand injuries are one of the most common workplace injuries, correct? That is correct. Upon the implementation of these gloves back in 2012 and in 2013 and so forth, the hand injury was the number one cause. The second cause, and I could be wrong, but the second cause is slip trips and falls. So, but number one for sure was hand injuries. These pinch points was the most common one too. So it's not so much on the back of the knuckle or the back of the hand. It's on the fingers and the tips of your fingers was the most common places as well. And so these companies are paying on average $21,000 is what a hand injury could cost. And the oil and gas companies were more or less saying, we're going to try to reduce this. That's the mean word we want to focus on when we're talking about impact gloves is we're reducing injuries we're you know we're not the word proof doesn't exist here right nothing it's not going to be impact proof this is going to be impact resistant but it is going to protect against actually the top four workplace injuries number one is lacerations and cuts number two is punctures number three is skin irritation and number four is burns and so we all know gloves help protect against this. I guess what I'm curious about going back to what you were talking about when people would gripe to you about, I have to buy these gloves and all that sort of thing. You talked about how you had to have answers to objections. I'm curious to hear a little bit about that because I know that, for example, my sponsor, Knowledge Van, when they go out to contractors and they do interactions, that's one of the most common violations that they find is people are not wearing their gloves. 
And how do you overcome that? Yeah, it was to dial back to the beginning. It was difficult. It was a common question or concern that you would hear from anybody that you dealt with that purchased the gloves for their men and women. There's three elements that you're trying to satisfy with a glove, and that's fit, function, feel. So, you know, and as we've all come to learn even more through the course of the last decade, that if you have a glove that doesn't fit right either, it's not about just feeling good. It's also, is that person performing his job to the best of his ability or what other type of hazard might that be causing or creating as well? So fit function feel is a situation where you had to sit, we had to sit back and say, okay, well, we need more than one option because everybody's hands are built and designed you know, we're all made differently. That's just the nature of us being human. And you're not, also it's preference. And that's another thing that really, you know, was a stickler for a lot of people is that it's just, you know, one guy's opinion of what a glove is, is another guy's, you know, and another guy might think it's, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. The other guy thinks it's the worst thing. So what you had to do is try to look at the other options. And that's really where you started to see this industry scale was because there was not only the current glove manufacturers out there that were really bringing on more than one option now all of a sudden, but there's a lot more people entering them and saying, hey, we might have, you know, we have something that we've created here. And, you know, such as what I kind of did with Stout. The thing that you do in the PPE world, and it's just the nature of the beast, is that you sample a ton of this product. So what you want to find out first is what are the main applications or tasks that your company is working on in the field? And what are the main, I guess, what are the main elements that they're exposed to? So what is the liquid that they're exposed to? Is it just water, oil, gas? It could be multiple things. And how is that, you know, when they're doing their job, how is that material that the glove is made out of, right? How is that, can you react when they're doing their job and performing their job? So there's a lot of different scenarios and that does require sampling now. And it did require us to just be a little bit more common sense and say, okay, how is this going to react? In a, how would this material react in a situation where the person is dealing with invert, for instance, or dealing with grease? So it was a trial and error process. It's just nature again of the beast where you have to go through that. And it was something that, you know, I think I did really well as far as making sure that we worked with them in the best we possibly can. And then also making sure that we get that feel, not the feel per se, but the fit in there, right? Making sure that you had all size options now. I mean, not just large and XL for everybody, you know, you needed upwards of triple XL and then as low as extra small, right? So that's kind of your claim to fame. One size doesn't fit all and you can bring these. So if you find the ones with the right, what'd you say, fit, feel, what was it? What fit, was the third function, one? feel. So fit function feel. And I think function is probably the biggest objection about people wearing gloves. And so you've come up with designs depending upon the situation to make it functional, right? That's right. Well, you're trialing and error and doing trial and error throughout the course of my sales, you know, kind of experience in this market brought me, you know, led me to a lot of different observations and realizations of what the market kind of wanted. The most difficult thing as well is that you never knew when another standard was coming down the line or what other kind of change might displace the product that you currently are selling or you're currently working on. It was, this is, it's been a juggling act trying to make sure that you keep up with 
the standards because once something hits and works like such as just a plain impact glove now you as you mentioned punctures and cuts being another high level of injury then you had the companies actually saying okay now we need a cut option we need a puncture option and that's where you got into a position of continuously creating and designing more product that was going to be sustainable to not only your current clientele, but clientele that you were for the future of your business to grow. Well, Shelby, I'm glad I had the opportunity to meet you. I believe it was Mark LaCour who introduced us. And I'm glad that we've had this opportunity to talk about this very important safety issue. And I'm happy to use this program to let everybody know about Stout Gloves. And you also have an office or distribution center in Texas, right? We do. Yeah. In 2019, we moved into Fort Worth, Texas with a warehouse and a distribution center. We have a full warehouse staff and sales team down there. And we've been, you know, obviously with the COVID was a little bit of a disruption, but we're back at it and moving forward. And we do quite well, actually, across the United States as a whole, not just the Texas market. We've been making slow progresses into educating and bringing people the Stout brand. And then hopefully we can continue to save people's hands, put good gloves, you know, with the right gloves and allow them to wear a good brand on the back of the hand. I mean, certainly that's the one thing I think that's worked well for us is that we worked hard on our marketing and our branding to make sure that we'd be sustainable and could hold ourselves up against the bigger competition out there. So I'm very pleased that, yeah, that Mark had the, reached out to me and introduced us, Russell. And I'm very, very thankful and grateful for the opportunity to speak on your program. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show. We'll be sure and put your LinkedIn URL in the show notes, also Stout's website, so people can reach out to you and to the company and maybe try to find that fit, feel, and functionality. As always, thanks to all of you for listening, and please tell your friends to listen. Post us on LinkedIn and other social media. Leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or there's actually a review link in the show notes. Tune in again next week for another episode of Knowledge Vine's Oil and Gas HSE podcast. Knowledge Vine is your dependable partner for full service human performance and safety consulting. Knowledge Vine, error reduction that works. As we said, discover more about Knowledge Vine by finding in the show notes our website link and other contact information, including the HPAC conference discount code. Or you can simply reach out to me on LinkedIn and we'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.